business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. Hi, everyone. This is Walt Bayless with the Business and People podcast. I'm absolutely thrilled to have with me a guru in the sales world. This gentleman not only is a, a certified parent extraordinaire. He's the man that actually claims that he has skills in raising children, which is very, very brand new to me. He's also built up an incredible sales training agency. He's worked with thousands of people all across the world, starting decades ago where he was actually recruiting salespeople and then moving into a sales training and management organization. He is none other than Jeff Goldberg, and it is my pleasure to introduce him. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Walt. It's a real pleasure to be with you today. Hey, thanks, man. It is really great to have you with us. Now, before we kick off, you have a background in stand-up comedy. <laughs> uh, a background in it would probably be a bit of a, an exaggeration, but I have tried it a few times. I'm one of those guys that all my life people told me that uh, I'm very funny. I should do stand-up. And I went to Club Med one time, and they give you an opportunity to be on stage there. So I tried it and killed. And then I came back to the States and said, maybe I actually could be a comedian went to an open mic night where anybody can go up, and I found out that making people laugh when they're on vacation and drunk is not quite the same as making them laugh in New York when they've paid $40 to see you. Right, exactly. I I realized that uh, I wanted to be able to feed my family, so interestingly, I wind up in a career where I do get to be in front of audiences on a regular basis, and making them laugh is part of what I do. It's called entertainment. I love that. Actually, I was talking to um, uh, somebody from a sales training organization on a, on a previous episode, and they were uh, very different. You and I are both extroverted, loud, let's go kind of stand up people. Uh, and this person was, was talking from the softer side, you know, being a little bit more introverted and that kind of thing. And do you find that there's, there's a, a model for salespeople that, that are typically successful? Or can anyone with any background kind of fit into that role? Yeah, I believe anybody can be a salesperson, but there are certain traits or qualities which make you more likely to succeed in sales. For example, if you're extroverted, you're more likely to be successful, but I know a lot of introverted salespeople who make money. If you're articulate, if you're uh, interesting, if you actually care about people genuinely, all those things tend to make you more likely to be successful. But I've always said I can make anybody into a salesperson. I may not be able to make you into a superstar, but anybody can sell. Nice. I love it. So you actually started the whole uh, path or journey with sales in a recruitment agency. Is that right? You, you started it, you founded your own recruitment agency specializing in finding and placing salespeople. And then you kind of morphed into training. So how did that all come together? Actually, it started way before then. I started selling, uh, I know a lot of the audience won't remember this, but I started selling Encyclopedia Britannica years wow. and years door to door, knocking on people's doors, standing in malls, going to state fairs and Hawking books. Um, eventually, I got to the point where I was looking for my next uh, opportunity, and I answered an ad that turned out to be for a recruiting agency, and I went to work for them with the knowledge that I would work for them for a year, learn the business, and then become their sales manager uh, a year later. Well, a year came and went, and I went to the owner and said, okay, I'm ready for my management job, because that, that was my background at the time, being a sales manager. Uh, and he said it wasn't the right time, and that's a direct quote, it wasn't the right time. I said, I don't know what you mean, but Today is the day I'm supposed to be the manager, so if that's not going to happen, we're going to have to figure something else out. He wasn't ready, so I uh, left, and I shook his hand and said, I'm going to go open my own agency, and that's when I did go into recruiting. Did that for about four years, recruiting salespeople and sales managers, because that's what I knew best, uh, until the bottom dropped out of the market in 2001 here in the States. It became very difficult to place people because companies were laying off by the tens of thousands. 
me, Mr. Positive Attitude, I stuck it out another two years going down to my office in the basement every day saying, I'll turn this thing around. My wife, now ex-wife at the time, was trying to convince me. And by convince, I mean cajole and plead and beat me up and cry to go get a <laughs> real job. And eventually I did. I wound up going to work for one of the 10 largest sales training companies in, in America at the time, DEI Management Group. Uh, they've since disbanded, but that's where I learned the business of selling and delivering sales training. And it took a long, long time to get there, almost 50 years. But I ended up in the job that I've been meant to do all my life because I believe you have to be self-aware in life. Uh, I do love to be the center of attention. I do love to entertain. And I truly love to help others. Now, don't get me wrong, Walt. I, I'm not being altruistic here. I love to get paid for what I do. But I, it brings me great inner joy when I have calls and emails saying, hey, that thing you taught me at work, I closed another deal or I got a promotion. So yeah. I truly love what I do. Yeah, very, very cool. So uh, uh, as you said, it took 50 years to find the job, the career that you were designed to fulfill all of that time ago. Do you find that the the uh, history you had with recruitment, placing salespeople specifically, has then was that a, a good transition into training those people? Were you aware of what is needed to be uh, intrinsically in a salesperson for them to be a good employee, to be a good person in that role? Yeah, I, I don't believe that the recruiting helped with that. However, my years in sales management and selling are what made me good at what I do. Yeah, uh, I, I have a deep understanding after being a salesperson for so long and managing salespeople for about 14 years for other, you know, working for companies. Uh, that really was where I learned that people have to be trained. Very few people are effective in sales on their own. And unfortunately, most salespeople don't put in the time and effort to study their, their craft. Every time I go to my doctor, which is, thank the Lord, once a year because I'm a healthy person, he's always got books on his desk. Anytime I go to my lawyers, they have books on their desk. They're constantly studying. But sadly, most salespeople will not invest in themselves. Mm. So they, they do have to be trained. And the smart companies do invest, whether it's with somebody like me or they send them to seminars or read books or whatever. You've got to constantly be learning and growing. Look, I'm an expert at sales. I'm, I always like to say I'm so good at selling that people pay me to teach their people how to sell. But I'm still reading just about every book that comes out on the market because I've got to know when somebody else comes up with something that's maybe better than what I've got. And I'm, I'm constantly trying new things, testing and measuring, seeing what works, passing it on to others. I love it. I actually, I remember it for myself from a sales perspective, uh, as a somebody that was trying to to do well in selling, uh, it, it literally turned around for me in a conversation with my boss who became my mentor at that time, where he said, look, you're either going to be really, really good at this or you're not. And that's becomes, and that's your choice. And I had this, uh, personally, it, it was a, a stigma about being a salesperson. You know, it was something that I was embarrassed to tell my, my friends, my family at gatherings and social parties. And, and the day that I said, no, my choice is to be a professional and I, I went, I remember very clearly, I went up into the hills uh, for a weekend. I took a whole bunch of material with me, some audio tapes that my, my, uh, my boss, then my mentor, uh, gave to me. And I literally sat down and I said, I'm going to be good at this. I'm going to start plugging in. And that change, where you talk about learning the craft, actually uh, professionally deciding that this is what you're going to be really good at no matter whether it's sales or anything, then tapping into the resources that are out there made a big difference for me. And do you recommend, Jeff, do you have a, a Bible that you say to people before we get started, read this? Is that a, do you have a set of books that you recommend regularly? No, uh, certainly I, I do like the things that were written by my ex-boss, Steve Schiffman, uh, high efficiency selling, cold calling techniques that really work. Uh, he and I don't get along so well anymore, but uh, I think his stuff was really brilliant. And I think it also takes a mindset shift, which is what you were just talking about. You yeah. made a conscious choice 
to uh, to be good at selling. And um, I, I'm going to guess that you're familiar with the name Zig Ziglar. Of course. Uh, I, I love Zig. And Zig used to say that um, sell comes from the Swedish word selja, S-E-L-J-E, which means to serve. Now, I'm the kind of guy who doesn't trust anything like that. I actually looked it up. Selja does not mean to serve, but I love the thought that selling is about serving. And whenever I'm talking to salespeople, I, I always talk about the come from, you know, like deep inside your gut. What's your come from? Your come from has to be, I'm here to help you. I'm here to serve you. And if I can't serve you, I'm going to let you know that. But I believe that prospects can smell greed and need like dogs can smell fear. And I've certainly been in a situation where I needed that deal. I needed that commission. But you can never do that. It's always got to be, how can I best serve the client? Because when you do that, they get it. Do you know, Jeff, that's interesting. I, I know exactly what you mean about that desperation, you know, where you, you're walking into that and thinking, damn, if I don't do this, I'm, I'm going to lose my job or I'm not going to be able to pay rent next month. Like, I know that desperation. And I, I'm betting that somewhere listening right now or watching this video is an entrepreneur, somebody that runs their own business, who's going into a pitch, who has that exact same thought right now. That, damn, if I don't get this, it's done. How would you suggest we take that person right now and help them reframe a little bit before their presentation this morning. Yeah, I suggest they call me. Not to <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm serious. I, I, I really do believe that givers get. And I'm happy to speak to anybody who's having a tough time. Uh, I have a mentor in this business who taught me everything about training and, and, and how, how to do it. And uh, I always say pretty much every word that comes out of my mouth is really his. His name is Steve Bookbinder. And he also worked for Steve Schiffman at DEI. Um, he... he taught me just about everything I know about the business. And he feels the same way. It's about giving. But Steve, as good as he is, and as I often call him, you know, what would you do about this program? How would you design this? He calls me from various parts of the world just to say, you know what, I need a dose of Jeff. I, I, I need a little pick-me-up because it just happens to be one of my strengths. So if somebody's out there struggling, I'm happy to have them email me or call me, and I'll, I'll talk them off the ledge. Now, if they don't want to do that, then you need someone that you can talk to because yep. most people typically can't bring themselves out of a funk. You need somebody else to share your feelings with, and you need to really acknowledge the truth. Uh, I think a lot of times salespeople have been conditioned to fool themselves. You know, well, I'm, I'm really good at this, and uh, I, I can do anything, and I love a positive attitude. I promise you I'm a, I'm a positive attitude kind of guy, but there does come a time when you've got to admit, I'm doing something wrong, and I need some help. And it's it's the advantage uh, when like when you're doing a pipeline review you can't really review your own pipeline it's like you can't solve your own romantic problems but you can solve everybody else's so you need somebody else to talk to whether it's a professional coach like me a friend uh i usually advise people uh, uh, a family member is not good because they love you too much and they're just going to pat you on the back and say it's okay and yeah. sometimes you do need someone who's going to give you that kick in the butt and the advice that you need to move forward so yeah. read a book Go online. Look, as you know, well, there's a lot of free information right on YouTube. Just do something to get yourself out of your head and mm. realize that you're, I think this is crucial. Realize that one of the beauties of being in sales is you can change your situation in an instant. You could be broke one day and have $20,000 the next. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very exciting. Yeah, I do too. I, I think, and especially for, for people who are in control of their own destiny and anybody that's in that kind of environment, whether they're, they're, they're running their own business, starting their own business, driven as a salesperson, as an entrepreneur, those are the people that can make that kind of choice where they can say, this, everything's going to turn around in that instant. And, and because we're in that, I guess, group, we get to set that future, which is, which is excellent. Um, do you find that there's a, 
uh, a technique that you teach people, Jeff, to be able to uh, understand a client's needs better? Do you have a set technique for that to be able to help them open that sale up? Of course I do. Uh, <laughs> the first thing that you have to understand is that uh, some things have changed in the 45 years that I've been selling. Some things have certainly changed. The internet changed a lot of things, uh, but some things remain the same. And one of the things that remain the same is that people buy, people do business with people that they both like and trust. Mm. So in any selling situation, the first thing you have to do is establish rapport with people. You yeah. got to get them to begin to like you and trust you. And I teach a particular method for doing that. But then comes the important part. Most salespeople believe that selling is about being a great presenter and a strong closer. And those are both very nice to have, but they're not crucial. What all, say, all great salespeople have in common are three things. One, they are the best question askers, the best interviewers, because sale is, sales is truly all about asking the right questions. Mm. In fact, I believe this. If you ask the right questions and listen actively, your prospect will tell you everything you need to know in order to help them choose to become your customer because you're not going to talk them into anything. As good as you probably are, as good as I am, and as good as everybody in your audience is, all put together, we're not good enough to talk anybody into anything that they don't want, don't need, or can't afford. But I can have a conversation with you where I ask a bunch of questions to find out what you're doing now, what you want to accomplish. So the first thing is you've got to be a great question asker. The second thing is you've got to be a great listener. And most salespeople, unfortunately, and this is a technical sales training word, most salespeople suck at listening. They're horrible at it. They think they get paid to talk, but they really get paid to listen. I get paid to talk, but not when I'm selling. When I'm selling, I get paid to ask questions and listen. The third thing you've got to be is a great storyteller. All great salespeople are great storytellers, and they tell a particular type of story, which I like to call a verbal proof story. And that's a story about somebody else like you, Mr. or Ms. Prospect, who by doing business with me, lived happily ever after. If you do those three things, you can sell. What is, I love that because the, the, that style of questioning and, and interviewing and listening actively is, is amazing. Jeff, I get to the third point and I go, ooh, what if I don't have any stories? What if I'm new? What if I'm starting out and I, I, I don't have the successful Mr. and Mrs. Jones story to tell new prospect? How do I, how do I bring that into, into play? Aren't you a good question asker? And as a matter of fact, I got that question today from an audience of real estate salespeople. Jeff, I'm brand new. I have no stories. Well, here's the thing. You know other people in your organization, unless you're totally on your own, there are other people in your organization that have success stories that they can share with you. And the only difference is when you relate them to a prospect, you don't say I, you say we. There are always success, success success stories that you can tell. I love the, um, uh, I had somebody. It's crucial, by the way, it's crucial, by the way, Walt, because buyers have a built-in resistance to buying. I believe that when you walk into somebody's office or they come into yours, they have a brick wall built in between you and them. And they've hung a sign on our side of the wall. And it says, I'm not buying anything. And if I do buy anything, it's sure not going to be today. Well, it's our job to help them break down the brick wall bit by bit for themselves. And a success story like that helps them to break down that wall. Yeah, definitely. I remember, I remember clearly uh, coming back to the real estate people. I remember I, I had a very short tenure in, in real estate. Uh, and I remember the sales manager of that particular organization, organization said to me, now, the first thing your, your new listing person is going to ask you is how many houses have you sold? And I want you to look them dead straight in the eye and say, none, you'll be my first. And what that means is I'm going to give you everything I've got to make sure that this is a success. And that can be in its own story in itself. Truthfulness, you know, making sure that the stories are truthful. So don't ever fabricate the story to make it come through. 
Jeff, I, I have a lot of people who come to me and they're in the situation where they're, you know, as we talked about, that, that group of people, driven individuals, etc. And they'll say to me, I've got this great idea program app, whatever it might be. I'm a business owner, but I'm not a salesperson and I'm finding myself, I need to be talking to these prospects. What do you say to someone who's not a salesperson in inverted commas about how they can change that mindset for themselves? Sure. I actually do a program called Selling for Non-Salespeople. And the first thing they have to understand is that while sell is a four-letter word, it's not a bad word. Um, I think many people, and you kind of touched on this earlier, they have the opinion that selling means lying. Selling means being a thief. Yeah, I, I don't know about where you are in Australia, but here the traditional joke is used car salesperson. Of course. That they're scummy and that they rip people off. Now, I, I know that that's not necessarily true for everybody, but there are certainly some. So a lot of people have the feeling, I don't want to be a used car salesperson or mm. whatever they don't like about salespeople. So the first thing to understand is what we talked about earlier, that selling is really serving. Your job is just to help people get what they truly need or what they truly want, things that are going to help them. So I can tell you that when I'm talking to my prospects, I truly believe that what I have is going to help them. My, my tagline is we help companies and individuals get measurable and sustainable sales increases. So if my come from is I want to serve you and you're a sales organization, how would you possibly not want a sales increase? Yeah. So that they, if they shift their mindset to I'm trying to push something on you that you don't want to, I have something great for you that really could do wonderful things for you and your organization. It should be easier. And they have to get past that thing about that selling means lying. Selling doesn't mean lying. In fact, I believe if your boss, if your company asks you to lie, the next words out of your mouth should be, thank you so much. I'm on to the next business because great. I'm not going to lie for it. I came to a point in my life, Walt, at, at the age of 31, where I decided I was never, ever again going to lie to make money or have sex with a woman. <laughs> I've managed to, to avoid both for the rest of my life. Well, that's great. I, I get to sleep at night and make money. Nice. I, I think that's such a, such a part out. No, <laughs> I think that's such a crucial step. And, you know, the belief uh, from, a, from, a, from the non-salesperson, understanding that uh, your belief in what you do. So if you, are, if you are a business owner and you're going into a pitch or you're a salesperson that has a product to present, the belief in what you have is, is absolutely crucial. And, and as, as we said before, you can, you can feel the greed when you walk in. If you've got that, I, need, I want the money from this. You can feel that from a mile away. And at the same time, you can feel belief from a mile away. So if you don't have belief in what you're selling, go and get some for a start. Go and talk to, you know, if you're a salesperson, go and talk to the MD, go and talk to the business owner and find out why this company is so great so that you you are sold on what you're about to walk in. And then uh, the other thing is, as you, you know, you're thinking to yourself, I've got the, now I have the belief, I've got this great solution. I've got to get this round peg into a square hole. Your job, as you said, with the questions is to be able to take the edges off that square, that wall that's in front of the person. The most the, the most effective way, as you know, to, to break through that wall is to find out what they're doing. What are they up to? And I, I love uh, the first question I was taught sitting in a sales presentation. Hi, thanks. Nice to meet you. Thanks very much for your time. What am I doing here? Why did, why did you invite me here today? And, and nine times out of 10, the next thing that comes out of their mouth will be the clothes that you need anyway. So, Well, I, I always start out with, so how can I help you? Yeah, let absolutely. Them tell me. There's, there's a couple of uh, things I wanted to point out, though. There's a word you used a moment ago that, uh, no offense to you, I don't like at all. And tell that me. word is pitch. Yeah. I never, I never want to hear sales. Pitching implies that I'm just talking to you and telling you why you should buy my product when it's really about asking the right question. So I'm not a big fan of pitching. Now, at some point, we do have to give our pitch. We have to explain to people 
here's what we're going to do for you, here are the features, and here's why it's good for you, what are the benefits. Uh, the other point that I think is crucial, especially for a business owner who maybe is a solopreneur and isn't comfortable with selling, it's something that clearly you have, and that word is energy. If you're not excited about what you're going to do or what your product or service is going to do for your prospect, why in the world would they be excited about it? Yeah. People are not going to make a decision unless you can get them excited because, as I'm sure you know, Walt, people have a built-in aversion to making buying decisions. And the reason mm -hmm. is clear. It's because they always think, what if it goes wrong? I've got phone service. Why do I need to try a different phone service? I'm, I have a dial tone. Why should I switch? And it's our job to help them be comfortable with that. And energy and enthusiasm are contagious. So if I'm not enthusiastic when I'm pitching Jeff Goldberg pitching, Jeff Goldberg and Associates, then why would they get excited about handing me a bunch of money and, more importantly, trusting me with the future of their company? When somebody buys from you, no matter what it is you're selling, they're trusting you. It's an app, like you said. It's sales training. It's whatever your product or service is. Why should they trust you if you're not excited about it? So yeah, definitely. you've got to have energy and real belief. And again, if you don't, just like with lying, go find something else to do. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. And, and you know, coming back to where we started from with that energy and, and uh, the introvert, extrovert kind of thing, I think there, there can be belief and complete energy about the solution that you hold in your hands quietly. It comes out of your eyes. You don't need to say a word to have that belief, right? Absolutely. Look, you and I happen to be energetic kinds of guys. I, I, I'm guessing that like me, this is not an act. This is the way I'm wired up. Yeah, it true. doesn't work for everybody, by the way. Some relationships, it's like, calm down, all right? But you know, that's the way we're wired up. But you absolutely can convey enthusiasm just with a look or with your words. You know, you and I are kind of enthusiastic guys, but it's okay to say, hey, I'm really excited about what I've got to show you today. Yeah, now, exactly. That doesn't sound like the way you and I would say it, but it says the same thing. So while I believe it's better to have that enthusiasm and it, it does, it is catchy, using the words is almost as good. Yeah, definitely. And, and as we know from so many studies that 90% that of the communication is nonverbal anyway. It doesn't matter what you're saying. The energy, as you said, comes from within. Now, Jeff, one of the things that really intrigued me about your organization. I'm going to give you a little bit of a plug here. It's jgsalespro.com. One of the things that intrigued me was that you actually offer a complete outsourced sales management program where you literally, any business in the world can come to you and they can have you manage their sales team all the way from recruiting, like employing somebody, monitoring them, setting those KPIs, solving the sales challenges and, in he and helping them increase their KPIs. I find that fascinating because it's a service that I've never heard about before. It, and is that something that, that has been a, a, a huge, uh, I guess, magnet for people to come to you? I think that's incredible. It's a game changer for me. And I, I'm going to take up a minute uh, of, of your time with how Please. this happened because I had never heard of this either. So a client who had used my services 10 years earlier called me and said, hey, Jeff, haven't seen you for a long time. I love what you do. Why don't you come in and spend a day with my people, kind of pump them up and give them, give them some training, and uh, you know, it, it'll be great. And I said, of course. You know, If you've got money, I love working with you. Let, let's get together. So at the first break, this guy, his name is John, he came up to me and he said, you know, I forgot how good you are, and you've gotten so much better in the last decade. Um, is there something more that we can do together on a regular basis? And I jokingly said, do you have money? And he said, yes, I do. I said, then there's something we can do. Now, I don't know if you're a religious man, Walt. I'm, I'm not really. But something from up above shot into my head at that moment because he said, what can we do together? And I said, 
how about if I manage your sales team? And he looked at me and said, you want to come work for me? I said, no, I don't want to do that at all. I'll manage them on an outsourced basis. Now, Walt, I promise you, I never, ever in my life thought about doing that. It really just popped into my head in the uh, the moment. He said, what would you charge me to do that? I gave him the number, and it was done on the spot, and I was managing his seven salespeople from across America. Um, I think there are companies now that are starting to catch on that this is a market, but I haven't met any, and uh, it's really amazing because the typical prospect for me is a smaller company with less than 10 salespeople almost always with the salespeople reporting directly to the owner of the company. Who's too when busy. I say to them, yeah, well, when I say to them, what would you do with your time if you didn't have to manage your salespeople? Typically, their eyes light up because, A, they admit to me they don't know the first thing about managing salespeople, and, B, they should be running their entire company, and if you're doing it right, salespeople do take up some time. So mm. that's how outsource sales management was born, and I currently am managing two companies one right here on Long Island, another one that's in the middle of America with a sales team across the country. I we love do it. Video conferences. I do private coaching with them twice a month. Uh, it, it's really effective, and it's it's not as effective as having a full full time on staff sales manager who knows what they're doing. But it's way more effective, and certainly way more cost effective than the owner of the company doing it themselves. And I've been yeah. The one, the one company I've been with for two years, we've showed a 15% increase in sales year over year, and the owner of the company attributes that to me, and I'm, I'm honored that he does. Yeah, I think that's amazing, Jeff, because, you know, from a, uh, as a salesperson myself, um, I can go out and sell managing salespeople, however, different kettle of fish, because there's all of those egos that you've got to keep in check. Not only that, you've got to keep the skills up to date. You've got to be able to help them with their sales challenges. So that's why I found that absolutely fascinating as a service to be able to go all the way from, okay, you need a new salesperson, I'll, I'll advertise, recruit, interview, all that kind of stuff, place the salesperson, train the salesperson. I find that, you know, I find that fascinating that that's a service that's available to an entrepreneur because that might actually be a game changer for anyone that's listening, Jeff. They might be sitting there going, oh my God, really? Somebody that will actually teach my salespeople to sell my product and I can just you know, do what I, that, I think that's going to be amazing for a lot of people. So yeah, really cool. I, I run the weekly sales meeting. I, I do the pipeline reviews and all the other things that you said, uh, you know, I interface with management. I take everything that they're saying, telling, want the company to do, and I pass it on down. And uh, again, it's not the same as having a full-time on-staff sales manager because uh, I don't understand necessarily the industry. Like one of the companies I manage uh, is a moving and storage company. I don't really know anything about moving and storage and I can't answer questions about pricing, but Anything regarding sales, how to close a deal, how to move something forward, I help with. Yeah. So it, it is pretty cool. It's, it's, it's the, the least profitable thing I do. <laughs> a day of tra- I make as much for a day of training as I do for a month of sales management, but it provides a great result because I work with the people ongoingly. And yeah. As I'm sure you know, a day of training all by itself doesn't really do much without reinforcement. So the fact that I get to work with these people long term really produces an excellent result. It's very rewarding. Definitely. I love what you said before. You had a, a colleague that you hadn't seen for 10 years called you up and said, uh, hey, can you come and pump up my team? And, uh, and then you were saying, you know, that, that one day of pump up has that, that limited window of results. But as we know, you know, getting that motivation is like taking a shower. It's something you've got to do yeah. on, a, on a regular uh, basis. Additionally, I don't consider myself a motivational speaker. Now, now I'm often introduced that way, and I do a speech on motivation, but th- that's not my purpose when I'm with salespeople. But as look, when you're excited and enthusiastic and fun, people do get pumped up. But my job is not to pump them up. My job is to give them the skills that they need to do their job better. 
Nice. I like it. I, I love the, um, the thought from Jim Rowan as well. He says, life change doesn't start with motivation. Life, starts, life, life change starts with education. If you take an idiot and motivate them, now you've got a motivated idiot. <laughs> so now you've got to do that education step. Jeff, can I, can I wind back a little bit? You've, you've had four decades of sales-related uh, enjoyment in life, being able to have all those different experiences. Knowing what you know now, what would you do differently? <laughs> Knowing what I know now, I would have paid way more attention in school and I would probably would be a hedge fund manager right now, making a heck of a lot more money. However, um, I probably would have listened to the advice that I would give anybody else more often. Um, and that is prospect consistently. Mm. It, it's the number one game changer for all salespeople, including myself, who, look, I'm a professional sales trainer, but uh, much like a carpenter whose house is falling apart, sometimes I don't listen to my own advice. And mm. the first thing that any salesperson has to do, and the number one challenge of every organization I walk into, and I've worked with world-class organizations like Cisco and Siemens and Citibank and Aramark and tiny companies you've never heard of, but the number one challenge is almost always my lazy-ass salespeople simply are not seeing enough prospects. Mm. You've got to prospect consistently. And consistency, well, first of all, you've got to do, do it effectively and consistently. And the challenge is that when we sell, we tend to create a problem for ourselves because when we sell, we now have to deliver on that. And the first thing to go when we get busy is prospecting. Now, there's a direct relationship between prospecting and getting paid, but it's not prospect today and get paid tomorrow. It's prospect today and get paid somewhere way down the line. In my world, it's about four and a half months from the time I first meet with somebody till the time their check lands into my hands. Mm. So that means if I don't prospect today, I can't get a paycheck for four and a half months from today. And if I don't prospect tomorrow, I can't get a paycheck four and a half months from tomorrow. Now, I own my own business. When the checks come in, they do go into my pocket. So I don't need a paycheck every day. I don't even need a paycheck every week. However, with three, one kid in college and two more that will be there next year, an ex-wife who wants to get paid every month, a dog that needs taken care of who's relaxing right behind me, like everybody else, I have expenses and bills to pay. I can't really go months and months without a paycheck. So mm. a couple of weeks, not a problem. But if anybody in sales has experienced what I'd like to call the ups and downs of selling, a good week followed by a bad week, a good month followed by a bad month, a good quarter followed by a bad quarter, it's almost for certain at some point they've dropped off completely or at least reduced their prospecting. So the number one piece of advice I can give for anybody is prospect consistently. If you're seeing enough prospects, you could stink at selling, but you're going to close somebody. Now, that's a, not a recipe for success, but you, the, it starts with seeing enough prospects. Yeah. Jeff, can I ask your opinion then? There's, a, there's an amazing book, uh, which I loved, called From Impossible to Inevitable. Uh, and the, the name of the author escapes me, but if you Google that, you'll, you'll find it very quickly. Um, and he talks specifically about the separation between prospecting and selling. And the, the concept there is that salespeople typically hate prospecting. You know, that is just, it's almost like a given. Uh, and the prospecting is the, yeah, me too, hands up. Uh, the, the prospecting is, as you said, the necessary fuel for getting everything else moving in the engine. So what, uh, in the book, what, what is actually spoken about is separating the two roles very distinctly. Now, in a lot of cases, there's an opportunity to outsource the prospecting 
so that we have qualified leads going to the sales team. If that's not possible, then in the book, he talks about separating the roles personally, three hours in the morning on prospecting, three hours in the afternoon on, on sales appointments, and literally splitting the calendar to make sure that those jobs are completely separate. So I guess my question to you is, um, what what are your personal thoughts as a sales trainer, as a sales coach on separating the roles and subsequent question on outsourcing the prospecting to, to make sure that the pipeline's always full? Right. So first of all, if you can outsource the prospecting and you actually get good qualified appointments at a reasonable price so, so that your cost of acquiring sales is not too great, then that's a great thing to do because I love it when salespeople can focus on nothing other than going out and selling. In fact, when I'm the sales manager, I always tell salespeople, I've only got one job. Take away every obstacle and every excuse. I just want you to sell. So if you can find an organization that can provide you with highly qualified leads that are worth the money, I say that's terrific. The flip side of that is that nobody cares more about your appointments than you do. Yeah. So I find that it really is almost always the salesperson that has to make the appointments themselves. themselves. Mm. Uh, I, I, I used to have a partner and we invested a lot of money in one year trying various companies that promised us great results and not a single one of them produced results that were anything worthwhile. Mm. So uh, I, what, what I do like is what you said about separating the jobs. I don't know if it has to be half a day and half a day. Uh, I, I'm a very big on tracking metrics and figuring out how... Just let's take about cold calling on the telephone for a second. How many dials does it take me to get through to the right person? How many conversations result in an appointment? How many appointments does it take to close a deal? You have to know all of those things. So it could be based on your particular world, you only need to prospect for an hour a day, or you might need to prospect for five hours a day. I don't know, but it's very useful to track that and figure out exactly how much time and effort do I have to in, 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 uh, put into prospecting and how much time will I have to sell. Mm, absolutely. So, I, and separating those two out, is there, um, this is probably an industry specific question, Jeff, but is, are you finding that, especially with the change of technology, there are different, uh, I guess, ways of that cold prospecting now than there ever was before? Of course, you know, we've, we've got the traditional smile and dial on the phone, 100 calls in an hour, kind of trying to find those appointments for the week. And you, now you have cold email, you have, you know, outbound marketing, you have lots of different methodologies. Have you found any of them uh, to be ineffective these days versus the new stuff coming through? I don't find anything to be ineffective or particularly effective. In fact, I find that today there's almost nothing that is as effective as it used to be. For, let's take cold calling on the phone. It's still, in my opinion, the most time efficient and cost effective way to fill up your calendar with appointments if you do it well. Right. But if you don't, if you suck at it, you've got to do something else. Yeah. I like to teach a blended approach. I believe all salespeople should be doing some cold calling via the phone, some email marketing, networking. I'm a big fan of uh, expanding your network and finding people, uh, especially people who are selling to the same type of people that you are in non-competitive industries. For example, mm -hmm. I like to network with sales recruiters. Mm -hmm. I'm not a sales recruiter. I mean, when I'm the outsource sales manager, I'm recruiting salespeople, but that's not my job. Well, the sales recruiter is selling to the same person I am, a VP of sales or an SVP of sales, a CEO or a president. So I can make a relationship with them where I can offer them leads and they can offer me leads. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of paying people for leads, although if that's what they want to do, I'm happy to. But I, I'm a big fan of, let me help you. You help me if you can. Somehow it's all going to get paid back. But I really believe that it boils down to when it comes to prospecting, testing and measuring. See what you're good at. See what's effective. If you're great at email marketing and that brings you in enough leads, do that 100% of the time. If right. you're good on using LinkedIn, use that. But I find that most people, they need a blend. 
What I find is not great is most people will stick with one thing, even though it's not working, because either they tried it and it worked once, but it never worked again, or their boss said, this is what you have to do. I'm only interested in what works well, as long as it's legal, moral, and ethical. I don't care what my salespeople do, as long as they don't lie, cheat, or steal, and they bring in a bunch of business. How long should someone run a particular style and measure before they either go all in or give it up for good? Yeah, enough to get a representative sample. I can't answer that. It's funny. I got that question again today from a guy who's very big on email marketing at this uh, group of uh, real estate salespeople. I can't answer that question. You need enough of a sample. I mean, you can't send out 10 emails. You don't get any results and go, well, that didn't work. That's not enough. You've got to give it a good shot. With cold calling on the phone, you probably have to go weeks uh, before you're going to know whether it's getting you a good result. Email marketing, you can see much more quickly and it's easy to measure. But the thing about email marketing is there's so much that goes into it. Is your subject line right? Are you getting to the point quickly? Yeah. Uh, are, are you talking about yourself or are you actually talking to the client? There's a million things that go into it. So I like people to try everything, see what feels good to them and what gets them the best result. Stick with that and get rid of the rest. Nice. I like it. Jeff, can I ask you, your uh, your history and, and, the, and the lessons there are, are awesome. If you had an opportunity right now to talk to yourself in 20 years' time, we're looking forward and we're seeing Jeff Goldberg in 20 years' time and senior Jeff has an opportunity to say to you what he thinks you should be doing for these next 20 years. What do you think older Jeff would be giving you as advice right now? He'd be saying, go sit on the beach, beach and drink tequila every day because you're right. old enough and you should be doing that. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've always been good at making money, but not very good at saving it. So I'm at the age where I should be retiring. But I, as I mentioned, I've got one kid in college and two going next year. So there's no retirement in my near future. Nice. I believe, okay. I believe that what older Jeff would tell me is that um, I might have made a mistake in setting up my business the way I did. And I set up my business... Uh, so that I could take time off whenever I wanted to. I mentioned the beach. I live a block from the Atlantic Ocean because I love the beach. And I set up my life so that during the summer, I'm typically done with work by 2 o'clock and I'm on the beach by 3. If I was really looking at it 20 years from now, I'd probably be telling myself, oh, by the way, I did that. I purposely never had employees because I don't want to be responsible for anybody else if I want to go to the beach and drink tequila. So I'd probably tell myself, maybe you should have set this up differently and built an organization because the fact is I can never sell my business because I am my business. Yeah, okay. You've still got time. The good news is you've still got time. Nobody nobody could build a sales team around you better than you could, so that's very cool. And you mentioned uh, that you've got a lot of... um, a lot of learning still to do, Jeff, which I loved. You, you were talking about the, the fact that you really are practicing your craft and, and keeping up to date. What are you reading right now? Is there something that, uh, that's on your shelf? That's so funny that you ask. I'm reading The Transparency Sale by Todd Capone. I used to work with Todd, and uh, he was always a very smart guy. As I'm reading his book, I had no idea how smart he is. Wow. The Transparency Sale is a brilliant book. And uh, here's the interesting thing. I'm going to have to post on LinkedIn about it soon because as soon as he wrote it and it was published, I posted, you've got to read this great book by Todd Capone. And as soon as I finish it, I'm going to have to go back and say, I really shouldn't have told you that because I hadn't read the book. But now that I've read it, you really have to read this book. It's fantastic. Fantastic. So that's uh, the, the Transparency Code by Todd. Transparency Sale by Todd Capone. Nice. Fantastic. We'll make sure that that's, that's in the show notes. Jeff, again, thank you so much for your time. I'm really grateful for the, for the chance to jump on to talk sales with you, help uh, a few people get through some of their blockages that they've got with presentations, etc. What's next for you, Jeff? Where, where will we see you setting up in the horizon? Uh, 
looking for more prospects and clients, uh, nice. taking care of the ones I've got, trying to be the best dad I possibly can for my young children and uh, spending some time on the beach. Not drinking too much tequila. Jeff, thank you so much for the chance to, to come and say hi. Guys, this is uh, Jeff Goldberg from jgsalespro.com and you can, you can head over there. Also follow Jeff on LinkedIn. He's dropping a lot of information on LinkedIn, uh, a lot of good tips that you can, that you can uh, catch up on. And I hope that as you've been listening, you've been able to pick up some things that can help your sales career. I love some of the, the uh, information Jeff was talking there about questioning, et cetera, and, and getting through that blockage. Uh, and Jeff, again, thank you so much for the chance to come on and, and chat to you about this. I know that, uh, as somebody said to me once, a business without sales fails. And I think if you, if you take that methodology forward, that, that mantra forward, that as long as you're passionate about what you have and you're willing to serve others in a conversational way, that uh, you'll never be short of the opportunity to sell your product. So again, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Guys, this is Jeff Goldberg, jgsalespro.com. And again, man, thank you so much for coming on the show with us. Thank you, Walt. It's been a real pleasure. Cheers, man. Hey everyone, it's Walt and thanks so much for listening to the episodes on the podcast. We really love bringing these interviews to you and I hope you're getting a lot out of them. We've designed the podcast to really help and to engage with everybody out there. So you could help us by simply leaving us a comment or a review, subscribing on iTunes. Head over there now, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us. It helps more than you could possibly believe. Do that now and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.